pray. Lord, we thank you this morning uh, that you're here in this in this place. And we thank you for your word. Lord, would you open our hearts to hear and to receive this morning in your name. Amen. Advent marks the beginning of the Christian year. It's a season of remembering what Israel went through in waiting for the Messiah to come and how as Christians, in a similar way, we are waiting for his return. We're remembering and longing for him to come and set things right in our world. I think perhaps this year and last year, but this is the case every year, but especially perhaps in 2021, think we, we're so aware that things are not as they should be. We're so aware that all is not right in our world. And we need to hear again the Bible's clear promise that we can know the hope and the peace and the joy and the love of Christ, that he has come to change our hearts and we can prepare him room. And so every year we, we light candles to symbolize the coming of Christ into the world as more light comes, uh, more of his presence and his grace is what we're recalling is needed in our world. Not more necessarily programs and great ideas, but more Jesus. We need him to come uh, as we watch and wait for him in his, his final return, but also as we anticipate him coming in a fresh way into our, our own hearts. This passage from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 33, 14 to 16, just a short passage But it's a passage that really captures this idea of waiting, this idea of Israel longing for God to do something and make something right in the world. It's the same sort of longing that I I know I have felt over the past few months, and I'm sure many of you have felt as well, this longing, God, would you come and set things right? Set things right in my own heart, my families, but also, Lord, in in my city and in my lake, in my nation, in my land. We need you to come. Jeremiah was a, an Israelite priest who lived in southern Judah. He was going about his life when God called him to be a prophet and warned Judah about the consequences of their ongoing sin. And he, he spoke to them quite clearly about the issues in their lives. He warned them that God was going to come and deal with, with judgment because of their sin and their idolatry and their brokenness. And if you flip back to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10, it actually talks about, in God's commissioning of Jeremiah, a twofold sort of essence to his, to his message. First, that Jeremiah's words would uproot and tear down. There'd be a, a kind of a destructive theme in his message. It was going to undo some stuff in people's lives. It was going to uproot some stuff and tear down some stuff that wasn't supposed to be there. And so there's a message of judgment that Israel needed to hear, a message of your sin has real consequences and God's going to do something about it message. But then God also tells Jeremiah that his warnings are going to have a a second effect. Not just are they going to uproot and tear down, but they're also going to plant and build up. And so in Jeremiah, you hear these messages of judgment against Israel for her sin, but you also get these messages of hope, these messages that God is not going to just leave 
Israel in her woundedness and in her brokenness. So here's an example of the uproot and tear down part. He warns Israel that they've broken covenant. You've broken your agreement with God that you're going to live for him and you're going to walk with him. And you've got shrines to gods all over the place. What are you doing? You say you want to live one way, but you're acting a different way over here. And God's not pleased with that. And Jeremiah uses the language of prostitution, actually. Or, or, and in for, for their idolatry, he actually calls it adultery. Because you've given your heart to someone else. You're supposed to give your heart to God, and you've given it to someone else. And Jeremiah accuses Israel's leaders, the priests and the kings and the prophets, for letting society just go astray, for not caring for the widows or the orphans or the immigrants, not caring for those who needed help. And they're taking advantage of people in violation of God's word in Torah. And so there's social injustice going on, even as there's spiritual brokenness going on. And often those two are linked together in the Bible. And so since Israel was refusing to return to Yahweh, God was going to enact his justice, his righteous justice against sin. That's the uprooting message of Jeremiah. That's the tearing down message of Jeremiah. But in another way, Jeremiah's words built up and planted something new. Here in uh, chapter 33, we get one of those promises of peace. And throughout these chapters, Jeremiah starts pointing back to the words of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And way back when Moses was commissioning Israel and calling them to faithfulness, he said, if you fall into sin, if you fall into brokenness, and you need to go into exile, remember that God will not abandon you. God's not going to leave you in that place of exile. God's heart is not to abandon you. It's to renew covenant with you, to renew relationship with you. And there was a promise that God was going to transform people's hearts. And Jeremiah reminds his audience, his readers, or his hearers of that promise. God's heart is to heal the woundedness from our sin and our rebellion, to make people truly whole again. And Jeremiah looked forward to this day when Israel would, after her exile, would return and a Messiah would come from David's line who would set things right and God would cleanse them of their guilt. And so despite Israel's sin against God, which is very clearly laid out, it doesn't ignore the sin, it's very real, it's there, and God's going to deal with it, but that's not the end of the message. God has hope and life and restoration for his people. And that's the background when we get to this passage. Let me read it to you again. Jeremiah 33, 14 to 16. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, The Lord is Our Righteousness. This summer, uh, Rowan has, loves cutting down trees, cutting branches. He just, has a, he just loves it. He wants to wield the most dangerous saw we have available. 
it's quite it's quite uh, we open open the garage i have to make sure things are up because rowan is like let's get something let's do it right so anyway we're we're hacking i'm trimming our hedge and we're hacking it and he's just loving it. He's like, yep, dad, let's do it. If there's one small section, he's like, can I do that one? I was like, sure, man. And he just like hacked it right at the bottom. He's just like, yeah, took it out. I was like, it was a little shorter than I'd wanted, but whatever, you know. And then we got to our lilac tree, which has always been kind of a mess. And uh, so we're, we're just hacking it down. And wouldn't you know, like two months later, because we had such a, such a crazy summer, two months later, I'm looking at the lilac going, did we even cut it? It had just burst into life again i was trying to find i'm like did we, it just looks like nothing happened it looks like we didn't even cut the thing right and rowan's like oh yeah he's swinging on the swing yeah oh yeah dad we cut it here we cut it there you know and uh but it's it was just bursting with new life after having been uh hilariously hacked down by me and my six-year-old wielding dangerously you know try to help him um new life though bursting from, from what was dead and dying. And this is that picture that God has for Israel. He says, in those days at that time, I'll cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. Elsewhere uh, in the prophets, particularly in Isaiah, they start to talk about Israel as a burnt and cut down stump. And particularly David's line. You remember God made a promise to David that through his line, would come a king who would bring God's goodness and righteousness to bear in the world. And what are you going to do? How's that king going to come if that stump and that lineage is just cut right down and broken? Well, God has a way of bringing new life out of death. Amen? And that's what he promises here. I'm going to cause, I'm going to cause a righteous branch to grow. Not you're going to somehow make it happen. God's going to make it happen. God's going to cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. This is a promise that's going to get fulfilled by Jesus. Jesus is the one who comes bursting with new life from the old broken tree of David's line. He's the righteous branch who not only symbolizes life and resurrection, but is himself life and resurrection. And Jesus, as that descendant king, is going to do just what Jeremiah says here. He's going to execute justice and righteousness in the land. He's going to bring the hope of restoration and redemption that Israel was longing for. Now, it's interesting that in Jeremiah, there's this sense that, that as the people return from exile from Babylon because of their sin, that then God's going to come and set things right with the Messiah and things are going to you know kind of turn out well. But as you read on in the story, what happens is, is they do return, I mean, first they go to Babylon, right? And then they do return from Babylon, and they start rebuilding the city, and they rebuild the walls, and they want to rebuild the temple. And we've talked about this before in, at different points as a church, but God's presence never comes to refill the second temple. And there's a real sense that they're still in a sort of exile because they're not in the land with God's presence in the same way they were before. And in a very real sense, the exile was still going on. And that's why when Jesus appears on the scene, he starts talking about his coming as a new exodus. This is a final exile, not just out of geographically from one place to another, but in Jesus comes the end of exile out of sin and slavery and death. This is the true end of the exile. 
And that's why when Jesus shows up at the, at the temple, he starts talking about himself as the temple because God's presence was never in that second temple. God's presence is in him. And, of course, that flusters everybody because they're all about the temple. And Jesus says, no, I'm the temple. It's in me that you can find freedom from, sli- from sin and that slavery to sin. It's in Jesus that the exile can truly end. It's in Jesus that the new exodus can truly come. And it's in Jesus that God will write a new heart in us. He talks about writing his law in us, putting a new heart in us, a clean heart in us. Jesus is the reason that Israel can have hope. But folks, Jesus is the reason we can have hope this morning. That in many of our lives, we don't know what exile feels like in terms of being taken out of our, out of our home into a different land. Some of you may, but most of us haven't lived through that. But we have lived in a different kind of exile. And that's a slavery to sin. That's a slavery to death. It's a separation from God that all of us are aware of at one point of our lives or another. And that's why on this first Sunday of Advent, when we talk about hope, we need to declare again that Jesus is the answer and the hope that we all long for. Whether you've walked with him for years and you just need that reminder this morning with whatever's going on in your life, or maybe you've never heard that before, and you feel like you've been in exile, and you feel like you're like a broken stump, and you need new life to spring up. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the hope for us this morning. We may still see the effects of sin and brokenness in the world, and we are called to work for mission and for justice and righteousness and peace in our own time as best as we can. But we also look forward to that day when the Messiah will come again and finally and fully set things right and make his dwelling with us. I wanted to read this poem by Madeline Langle. It's called First Coming. She writes this, He did not wait till the world was ready till men and nations were at peace. He came when the heavens were unsteady and prisoners cried out for release. He did not wait for the perfect time. He came when the need was deep and great. He dined with sinners in all their grime, turned water into wine. He did not wait till hearts were pure. In joy he came to a tarnished world of sin and doubt, to a world like ours of anguish, shame. He came and his light would not go out. He came to a world which did not mesh to heal its tangles, shield its scorn in the mystery of the word made flesh. The maker of the stars was born. We cannot wait till the world is sane to raise our songs with joyful voice, for to share our grief, to touch our pain. He came with love. Rejoice, rejoice. Jeremiah calls us this morning, friends, to hope. Hope even when it seems dark. Hope because Christ has come, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. That's what Advent is all about. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that your word shows us that in the brokenness and the darkness of our lives, you come. We thank you that Advent is not about us trying harder to muster something up to get to you, but is about you coming to us. 
in our deepest need, in our brokenness, in our sin, in our sorrow, in our grief. Lord, you've come. Lord, you came in answer to Israel's greatest hopes and longing. But Lord, you also come into the brokenness in our hearts today. You come with your salvation and your forgiveness to restore us. And you come each day, Lord, as we open our hearts to you to lead and to guide us into new life and into new uh, mission and ministry and hope and work and family. Lord, you call us and lead us into all areas of life, Lord, to live for you. And often, Lord, as we go, we see the brokenness. We're so aware of the needs in our world and in ourselves that all is not right. And so our hope, Lord, is not that we will somehow fix the world, but that you will indeed come again and set things to right. Lord, we pray that you would set eternity in our hearts, that the work we do for you would be seen as, as part of your redemption in the world, not something wasted. But also, Lord, that we would remember we look to you as our Messiah and as our King to come and heal the brokenness and the woundedness in our world and in ourselves. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? love to just speak the benediction over you before we go. children of God who are loved and forgiven through our Lord Jesus Christ. May you know the hope of Jesus the Messiah this Advent season. May you know the ministry and the grace of the Holy Spirit as he sends you into the brokenness and darkness of our world. And may you know the life and love of God who keeps you and holds you and comes to rescue you grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Amen. Go in peace. Love you guys. If you'd like prayer, love to pray with you. Otherwise, have a great week. Bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.